I don't ever remember a time, and I, I credit my mother for this, more than any great thing she ever passed on to me or gave to me, she taught me to pray and know Jesus Christ when I was, a, when I was little. So I had that in my heart from a very, very early age and, and, uh, and carried me, it, 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 well, it still it's carried me through, through my entire life. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we visit with country hitmaker Colin Ray. Colin took the country music world by storm in the 90s and has accumulated 24 top 10 records, 16 number one hits, and was nominated as Male Vocalist of the Year 10 times. Colin recounts how he got his start in music and how early on, faith in God was a thread that wove through his entire life. I was born in a very small town in southwest Arkansas called DeQueen. And, and then when I was very, very young, we moved 50 miles uh, south to Texarkana, which is a much bigger town right on the Texas-Arkansas border. And that's where I grew up. And uh, uh, over the, my, my dad was restless at times and we would move here and there. Once we actually moved out to uh, Oregon for about four years during my childhood. And I loved that, it was real different, you know, and then we moved back home again. But primarily Texarkana was, was my home. And, and now it's a thriving, small city at the time there wasn't a lot going on it was it was pretty quiet and and um as a teenager it got boring like you know it's just one of those places you couldn't wait to get out of you know we didn't have much money you know and so i, I never really thought college was going to be an option you know but it was good in the sense that uh it made me hone in on my on music because that was the one thing that was my sort of escape my brother my brother was a guitar player from the time he was six years old. He was really, he was just a prodigy. So, and my mom was a singer. So music was just sort of what we did. And so this promoter knew about my mom and Aunt Becky. They were kind of like a little gospel juds in a way. They would go sing two-part harmony and stuff at all the churches around there. Uh, and this promoter in, the, in the, that area was gonna bring in the Sun Records tour, which, which was headlined by Elvis. Johnny Cash was on it. And my mom says um, that my grand, we called him Big Daddy, was his, was his, what everybody called him, all the grandkids called him Big Daddy. He goes, well, uh, you can do it, but just stay away from that Elvis Presley. Because he was dangerous at that time. You know, everybody didn't know what to think about him. And so they, they got to do a series of shows. It was like six shows in that area, all on flatbed trucks, flatbed trailers. And, uh, and so they would get to do this. And about the third show, Elvis had heard him and came up to him, one, he went up to my grandfather one night and said, uh, uh, his name was Chandler, I said, Mr. Chandler, I just want to tell you, you've got, you have two very, uh, very talented young daughters and stuff. And he, he was very, very polite. And, and my mom said from that point on, uh, Big Daddy was like, oh, that Elvis Presley, he's okay in my book, you know. So Elvis asked if they wanted to get up and sing during his set and sing oohs and ahs background with him. And so, with him, and so they did. For, for They got three or four shows they got to back up on be on stage with Elvis Presley. And and she never stopped talking about that the rest of her life, you know. <laughs> when I was in my teen years, when my brother and I, my mom and dad were divorced when I was eleven. And it was just us two boys, Scott and, my, and myself. So naturally the, the next thing you do is when dad's not around, you start pushing your limits. Because we outgrew mama pretty fast. So you think, well, she can't really do anything to us anymore, and, and Daddy's not here to, for us to be afraid of. But I always felt, even at that time, I've referred to it as a hand on the back of my neck, and it was almost literal. I mean, I literally sometimes would feel like 
something was pulling me back when I was about to, to go in the wrong house or go into the wrong party. Or everybody's about to head down under the grandstand at the football game to get in a gang fight or something. And, something would, and you'd go because everybody else was going and then something would, ah, don't do that, don't do that. And I've felt like that hand's been on the back of my neck, which I believe is the Holy Spirit or maybe my guardian angel, you know, would always steer me away. And uh, once I realized I could sing a little bit and, I could, and could play bass, I started playing bass and the guitar later, I thought, I think I kind of understand how to do this, you know, could sing harmony and stuff. And it what didn't take me long to figure out, I think I, think I should do this. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to make a living doing this in bands and stuff I learned pretty fast and that's what made me develop something that I felt like this is something that people might actually pay me to do. Like when I went on the road and like doing 200, 230 dates the first year, it was nothing because I knew people were going to like me when I got there. You know, and, and so, but I think you just become so hungry to be accepted and liked and it's, it's perseverance, you know, so, so in those days, yeah, to, to get to a point where you were, you were good enough and experienced enough to take a run at maybe trying to get a record deal in Nashville or something, you had to go through a lot <laughs> to get before that ever could even remotely happen. And then for so many, it never does anyway, you know, so I was lucky. Success in music doesn't mean you got to be a star and have hit records. That's what you, at the time, that's what you think success is. And, I, and, and thank God, I, I, he allowed me to do that. And, and, but uh, looking back on it, John and Michael Montgomery and I were talking a couple of years ago, back, and he was just saying, you know what, it really, to be honest with you, all I ever wanted to do was make my living singing, and I'm still doing it. So that's the better way to look at it, you know. But if, you, if your identity is in how, how big a name you are, and, you know, that's like, that's why you see so many people turn to drugs and drinking or God knows what else, you know. And so Little Rock was a real milestone for me. I mean, Little Rock came on, that was for my third album. We were looking for songs for the Extremes album. And uh, Tom Douglas was the, the writer of that. And at that time, no one had gotten away with a song that dark on country radio. Not dark, it's hopeful. But it's a song about a recovering addict, alcoholic, you, you know, what have you. And, and I thought, I don't know if anybody's going to want to hear that multiple times throughout the day or drive time, you know, driving home from work. Uh, but we cut a great record on it. And I knew we had a, a, a wonderful piece of music. But the label had to kind of prod me to put that out as a single, I thought. Because the single just before had been That's My Story. That's my story. And so I was on a roll. You know, I had a good list of hits going. And I thought, is this going to be too much of a departure? I mean, I'd love it if you guys are right, but I just don't know. And it flew up the chart. And I think because of that, that's when it really dawned on me. Got it. I got it, Lord, because I'm supposed to be the guy that can do these kind of songs and make hits out of them because nobody else was doing that. The original impact of that was over 200,000 phone calls to, well, we tagged the video. Back then you made a music video for every record, you know, every single. And uh, I, I portrayed that character in the video and whatnot, and we tagged the video with uh, the Al-Anon, al hotline number. In the first month that video was out, we had over 200,000 phone calls in response to the video, that, or they had the call saying, I saw that Little Rock's video, and uh, my dad needs help, or I need help, or my, my daughter is, and, you know. And, and so I, that's when I realized the power. I knew music was powerful, but I thought, I didn't realize it could be that tangibly powerful. Colin went on to record many more hits, 
and songs that continue to touch people and have a positive influence on our world. Always thankful for the blessings God brought into his life, including two granddaughters, Colin shares how he coped with an unexpected heartbreak, the loss of his 10-year-old granddaughter, Haley. He shares how he had to trust God through the pain. Haley was born, we thought, healthy, total, her birth was great, everything, there was no problems. And to make a long story short, she had a, uh, a neurological disorder and, and no one could ever diagnose it. We never got a diagnosis and boy, we tried. It took her everywhere and no one knew what it was. Uh, all we knew is that it was regressive and she was losing her motor skills. And when she got to about, well, I guess six, it really started spiraling down. And, uh, and you know, we, so we started having to face the fact this could be fatal. This could, this, the worst possible thing that can happen may happen. And um, of course, obviously, we wore our knees out praying, and, and, and everybody we knew was praying, and, and praying for a full-blown, total healing miracle. And I've always believed that um, there's no doubt in my mind God can just by His very will, He can fix anything. The most, there, there's, no, there's no illness, there's no problem too big for Him. He's bigger than all of it, but He doesn't always choose to. And, and I think as the sort of the patriarch of the family, I mean, it, it was, I've always fixed things for my kids. If there was a problem, I'm there, I'm gonna fix this. Don't you worry, we're gonna fix this, you know. And that was the first time in my life where I, where I got to a point where I realized I got nothing. I, this is way over my head. No matter how much money we spend, no matter how, which hospital, it's, they're telling us the same thing. She's getting, she's in bad shape. And, and um, so anyway, at, uh, in 2010, she was uh, nine, almost 10 years old. And uh, she, she passed away. And most horrible thing ever happened to us, you know. And uh, without faith, that'd be just, you can't survive something like that. You can't. I mean, not not maybe physically, but you can't emotionally or mentally. Our faith was strong, and so even in the midst of, of that, I knew, as did my daughter, we knew that he he, he was in charge of it, and he wanted her back. But uh, we wanted to do something to to keep her legacy, her name going, and try to make a positive out of the worst thing. And and uh, my manager, Ginger Roos, came up with the idea of. of uh, the Haley Bell Blessed Chair. I wrote a song called She's With Me prior to, to that happening, where I refer to her chair as her blessed chair. And so Jen thought that would be a good name for the charity, the Haley Bell Blessed Chair Foundation, where, because Haley's only mobility was in that really expensive Mac Daddy wheelchair, you know, and uh, not the kind you rent at the airport, but the kind that are specially designed, you know. Every state has a pretty lengthy waiting list of people waiting for those chairs. So I thought, well, that's what we'll do then. We'll, we'll raise money to, to supply those chairs for people. And, and so far, we've, we've done really, really well. People have been very, very kind. Colin continues to be grateful for those who have given to the Haley Bell Blessed Chair Foundation. If you'd like to find out how you can help support and assist families of the physically disabled through much-needed resources like wheelchairs and necessary medical equipment, please visit blessedchairfoundation.org. Colin shares a passage from Jesus Calling that is meaningful to him from January 5th and closes with thoughts on why this passage hits home for him. 
Trust me by relinquishing control into my hands. Let go and recognize that I am God. I love that scripture where it says, be still and know that I am God. That's, that's pretty much all you, all you need to know, you know. This is my world. I made it and I control it. Yours is a responsive part in the litany of love. I search among my children for receptivity to me. Guard well this gift that I have planted in your heart. Nurture it with the light of my presence. When you bring me prayer requests, lay out your concerns before me. Speak to me candidly, pour out your heart. Then thank me for the answers that I have set into motion long before you can discern results. If you keep on stating your concerns to me, you will live in a state of tension. When you thank me for how I am answering your prayers, your mindset becomes much more positive. Thankful prayers keep your focus on my presence and my promises. It's easy to forget that, you know? Very easy to forget that. Because it, I think we make it harder than it has to be. So I, I've learned to, to say less and listen more and just basically say, Lord, thy will be done. And help me not just to say that, but help me to, help me to truly mean it. That means letting go. Letting go of whatever it is I'm worried about. Your will be done. I trust you. 